everyone. Welcome to the B2B Marketing Podcast. My name is David Rowlands. I'm the Head of Content at B2B Marketing. And I'm joined today by Amisha Gandhi, who is the SVP Marketing at Pulte. So Amisha, hello. Welcome. Um, how is sunny California today? Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Uh, sunny California is good. I live in San Francisco, so it is sunny here today. Excellent. And uh, can you tell us just a little bit more about Pulte and, and your role there? Sure. So I'm the SVP of marketing at Tipalti. I run the core marketing team in North America, um, and we have offices in now Europe. And so we coordinate with those folks over there and I run holistically end-to-end marketing. So that's everything from brand to product marketing to demand gen to marketing ops so, and PR and comms. So all of that, you know, marketing, your end-to-end marketing uh, function, if you will, at Tipalti. Fantastic. So um, obviously, we're here today to discuss buying group marketing um, and the evolution or potential evolution of ABM. Um, So just kick things off then. Um, I think the the benefits of ABM are quite well understood. So less wasted marketing effort, you're more targeted in your approach. We all know the benefits. Um, But where do you think that ABM can possibly fall short? Where do I think it fits in or where where do I think it's going? Um, I think that ABM is very critical part of B2B marketing and your marketing funnel, right? So when you think about what's like leads, 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 bring those leads in, that's great. It gets passed to sales, right? If it qualifies, right? And then, you know, in a lot of places, then you're like marketing's kind of off the hook. And I don't think that's that's true in, in modern marketing. You really have to help move things down the funnel. So you know, we we have tools that help us do that. We have processes and, you know, people, right? It's not just about the tools, but when you look at the results that you're going after, and now everyone is talking about customer experience, ABM is even more important because from the minute you touch the prospect to the time they become a customer and after, they are having their experience with your brand, right? And during mid funnel, right? People can go dark. People get busy. They're they've lost interest. They may not think it's, you know, I don't really want to go through a demo. I don't want to do these things. Right. So if you have ABM, it allows for an experience to happen or something to have a touch, a nice high value touch or nice high value experience that allows you to engage someone in a conversation, right? Either in a conversation in experience, or if it's a really big enterprise deal, something that's personalized content. So you're allowing for a lot of personalization to happen and it's unique to that individual or persona. Depends if you're doing one-to-one or one-to-many, but it does have a place because we are looking to create journeys with our prospects who ultimately become our customers. And don't you want those touch points? Those are very critical and those are actually driven by marketing and you can help partner with sales to do that. And you'll have better success all around for your brand. Sure thing. And, you know, would you say that targeting an account, as we obviously do in ABM, um, is as targeted as it sounds? So for instance, you know, your account might have several thousand employees in it when really you only actually need to target that sort of handful of key decision makers in the buying group, which leads us onto this whole idea of buying group marketing, which obviously we're going to discuss today. Um, So, you know, would you say that move to buying group marketing and focusing on the specific individuals in the buying group is sort of the the natural evolution of ABM? So when you look at, so if you are going after a company, right, you know what your your ideal customer profile, right, which is your ICP, you know what that is, you know the personas that you're going after. So you look for that persona, right? And that's, you're targeting in that regard. 
But once you target the person or people that have that title or that responsibility at a company, right? Um, you also want to look at who else is influencing them. Is it their team? Could be their team. You have a multi-thread approach, right? So it's their team. It could be their their manager, right? So for us, if we look at it, we're targeting, you know, the office of the CFO. So, you know, is it who's the right person on the team and the office CFO that we're targeting as a controller? Is someone doing AP? Is it the CFO themselves? And we figured that out and you have a kind of multi-thread approach, right? Because you have to. And then whoever picks up, right, is the person that's going to probably leading the charge for their company in this conversation. But you don't want to forget about everybody else either, right? And how you could help them help you, right? So you're trying to put make them the person that's going to be the champion. And so don't forget that. But it is comes down to that critical person and then their circle of influence. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. And, you know, how do you think that marketers can actually establish who the buying group is and, and the personas within it? How can we establish? I mean, you have to do your homework, right? I mean, there's so many stocking tools, right? But it's really finding, right? I said, like finding that persona. And then once you do start having either a conversation and then saying, who else could we invite to the, you know, to the conversation? Who else needs to be here? What else materials can we give you? to get everyone else interested, right? But first find out what their pain points are, right? Once you figure that out and figure out where you might be able to help them and their company, then you start with kind of expanding that circle out, never forgetting, right? Even if they bought, pass it off to somebody else at their company, you don't want to leave them out, right? Because they brought you in for a reason. You know, if you send cookies to the other person, send, make sure you say, thank you so much, boom, boom. Because you don't know where people are going to go. People move in their careers. And they have a great experience for you and they are your customer or they wanted to be your customer. It didn't work out, whatever it is, people remember that. And so, you know, you want to find the right person. You, if they're not the right person, they'll move you to the next person. And then, you know, start asking the questions of who else needs to be in the conversation. Right. And then you can either retarget them or you can find ways of engaging them. Right. In, especially an ABM cycle. Mm. And what, sorts of information you think is really important to collect on the individuals within that buying group? Is there anything in particular other than the pain points that you mentioned? You should understand the reporting structure. You should understand, start understanding who influences the real buying decision. What do you need to give to the different people so that they feel empowered and good about making the decision? Oftentimes when people are buying a good service, software, whatever it is, they're you know, they're saying, I'm choosing this. It's going to make me more successful in my role or my, comp my, my function. You want to make them a champion. And you can only do that if you help them figure out how this is going to make their job or function better, how it's going to make them shine at the company. And they're taking and putting their trust in you, right, when they're going to make a decision like this. So you also need them to feel that, hey, we're here for you and we're going to help you figure this out, right? And, and make your job easier or automate something or whatever we're trying to do, make it so that you're actually going to make that person a champion in their company or in that sort of pillar that they're in, the organization that they're in. Yeah, absolutely. And once a marketer finds out who they're targeting, so the people in that buying group, how do you think they can actually produce relevant content for the different individuals? Because I think you know, is tailoring content for a specific individual even feasible or is the resource just far too much? 
I mean, I think it is. Well, here's how you can do it is, you know, it depends on the deal size, a really big deal. You know, I've done things where we personalized a whole website for someone, right? Where it's like a really multi-million dollar deal, right? At Topalti, we have, and that was when I was at SAP. At Topalti, we are looking at high growth, high velocity companies, right? And our ideal ICP is between 215 and 1,000 or 2,000, right? So it's mid-market, upper mid-market, but and, and sometimes in enterprise, right? So depending on the size of the deal, depending on what we're doing and what makes sense, you can create a personalized landing page, right? And a lot of it can be based on use case for their industry, right? And then it has your name, it has their logo, you have some more personalization, you understand the pain points, you're able to bring in those things. And then they go to an experience that's meant just for them and their team, right? And they go to it and you get that kind of content and the right type of pieces that are in there for engagement, whether it's a podcast, videos, articles, what have you, that can really help them. And, and they're like, wow, this is really great. This is my use case. And you have your use case in there too of how you can help them because you know their pain points and their use case really well. It also shows that you understand where they are coming from, right? And you're speaking their language. I think that's the most important thing. So you can do a personalized content experience. You can also do an experience where you're, you know, you say, hey, come and check this out. And I don't know, last year we so, so we sent out macaroons with our logo. I don't know why, but these macaroons, everybody wanted them. People were clicking and saying, yes, I want these. And it was re-engaging a lot of people, you know, some people who had gone dark, some people who were in the process and said, oh my gosh, I share this with my team or I share this at home. It was awesome. And it was like, you know, have a, have a cookie and, and, you know, come talk to us for a few, you know, so then it was like this fun thing. And, um, you know, we've done chocolate tastings and other things because it's all virtual right now in person, you can have and say, come meet an expert. That's a really good way. Have some office hours with an expert in, in the field. And people really appreciate that. Again, it's not just about you. It's about you making that person a champion in their role. And then when people feel that and have that kind of experience, and then they have like this personalized content, either as a follow-up or as a, as a way of reaching out, people really appreciate that because you're speaking their language. You just made them look good in their job. So maybe it's not always related to what you offer, right? But it's in their role or for that persona. And then you followed up with a highly targeted piece of content. Now you've created a little bit of a mini ABM journey right? That's very high touch. And you can use tools to, you know, kind of get those pages just to repeat, right? Like mutiny or other personalization tools. You can have that happen at scale. Mm. And it's obviously not just the content that needs to be tailored. You know, the, the channel that the content is actually delivered in is also really important. So with that in mind, how do you think marketers can establish which channel specific individuals are going to be operating in or are likely to operate in? Um, and why do you think it is just so important to get the message in the right channel in the first place? So we have lots of channels, right? And everybody, like some people like video, some people like written articles. So you need to have a, you're having, you know, multi-thread outreach, but you need to have a multi-channel like, an, you know, where we say, oh, it's omni-channel, you know, whatever buzzword we want to use. We want to have, you want to have this in different bits and pieces. So one can be a short video. Something can be a personalized content page. It could be actual pieces of content or webinar. You know, you might be offering some credits of some kind in their industry. You need to offer a, a few things and you can put them in a variety of different communications and see what someone is really leaning towards once they lean towards something whether it's a subject or type of content 
then you're like, okay, this is what they really like. And the next thing kind of is a good follow-up to whatever they've experienced, right? So the next step is going to be dependent on which channel and which way they came in, right? So again, you're creating a, a journey for that person. And if they came in, like for us, if they came in on AP and they're really focused on trends and thought leadership, we know the next piece will be something to follow up on that one, right? And if it was a video or a podcast or whatever it was, we could offer them a webinar and said, oh, would you like to learn more? It has more in-depth information on the topic you were just interested in. And they're more likely to stay with you. They're more likely to do that. And then the personalized content page pops up after with their use case for their industry. But again, leading with that kind of content, right? So you, you're able to parse that through. So, but you do have to offer it up in many different ways because people like, some people want more visual. Some people want to demo right away. Some people want to read a lot beforehand, right? So you have to think about it that way. And then you also want to make it easy for them to share with their team. So make it multi-channel, make it easy to share and make sure you have the right follow-ups that ensues from what the core piece pieces are as well. Yeah, sage advice indeed. And when it comes to um, buying group marketing or indeed any form of hyper-targeted marketing, whatever you, you want to call it, um, why do you think it's so important to ensure that marketing and sales are fully aligned on the same page and, and working in the same direction? Because, you know, marketing really exists to support sales, right? We're really there to support sales. We're really there to make the brand an important voice in the market and, and recognizable, not only recognized, trusted, something of value to say, something of value you're offering and, and making a an, difference in that industry, right? And when you're working with sales, you want to make sure that it's consistent. So when you throw a lead over the transom, the outreach is, is correctly following up what's happened, right? So again, it's all about that journey that you're creating for the prospect that everybody understands what they've experienced already, what they've been shown, what can they be shown, right? And then the partnership with sales is key. If you don't have a good partnership with sales, then how can you provide the right messages at the right time? And you need to also ask for feedback. What's resonating? What is not resonating? And then sales, you know, we work very closely with sales. They're an awesome partner. We work closely with sales enablement. We work very closely with our SDR team. Um, we work very closely with our sales managers, right? Because we, we join all their weekly meetings. It's a partnership. And so without that, we would just be creating really, you know, awesome marketing pieces in kind of a vacuum. And you don't know if it was successful. You want to see like, hey, if we bring in people in a channel, how far did they get with the sales team? Was it really good? We qualified it, but really was it qualified, right? And so you're always, you have that open communication so that you can provide the right materials and the right messages alongside sales so that you can close deals, right? And then also, once they're a customer, you want to work really closely with your, you know, your CSM team and your customer success team as well, right? Because then it becomes... Now it's a customer experience. So it's all the way through. You have to really think about that. But I think the part, the partnership between sales and marketing, I mean, that's why marketing really exists, right? Is to support sales. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned that, you know, you have regular meetings with sales, you know, constant communication. 
But do you think it's important to have shared metrics between both departments? Or do you think both departments should still operate according to their own separate targets that they're held accountable for? It's, you know, when you look at it, it's really the company metrics, right? So we don't look at everything in a vacuum, right? There's certain, you know, marketing source things and there's sales source, right? And outreach. So we have, you have to look at the complete picture to understand what's happening and where the where you're taking your company. So you have to look at the complete pictures. Yes, while you might own different KPIs, they're dependent on each other. So we review our KPIs together with sales because it's it's dependent on each other, right? And then we can notice trends that are happening and figure out what we should do. And everybody does their part, but you have to kind of, you have to talk about your KPIs together. You review them together. And while you may own your own KPIs, it's not in a vacuum. And I think when people are in larger companies, they have different KPIs for each team. And we certainly have that here, right? And every com- every team has their own KPI, but we don't look at, I, you know, we don't look at that in a vacuum. We have to look at that all together as a marketing org even, right? And then the next step is looking that within the company and with obviously with sales. And so I highly encourage everyone when you're doing KPIs, you know, review your KPIs with sales and say, this is what we're thinking, what, you know, and, and have that conversation up front. So everyone is moving in the right direction, right? Oftentimes, you know, market come with their KPIs and sales are like, well, there's a huge gap and everybody ends up fighting about it, right? This is more planning together to be successful. Mm. And just bringing it back to um, buying group marketing, what sort of results do you think that kind of approach could deliver, you know, where you're focusing really, yeah, hyper-focused on the, on the specific individuals in the buying group? When you do that, it allows you to have a very specific message Right. Um, And that's really important. And then you begin to really have that relationship. Right. Even though we're all digital, everything's automated, that relationship building is really important. And so giving the right messages, building that, you know, laddering up into a really good relationship with that individual. Right. Because you want them to become a customer. So as you're building that relationship, you want to make sure you're getting the right message at the right time, making sure it's not too much. Uh, making sure that you can offer an experience they'll appreciate and then you can do the right follow-up. So you have to have those things in place, but also understand and be listening on the other side. So a lot of times people in sales, they're just like, okay, here's my sales. It's one, two, three punch. I'm just going to do that. You have to also see how the person is reacting on the other side, right? And I think this buyer group, you know, sort of the sense, it's really a one-to-one, right? And it's it's that feeling that people get, wow, okay, this was meant for me. And so if I'm now having this experience with this company, they're stepping up, they're showing me how they can help me do my job better, be, you know, make my org better, help our company achieve its goals. Then you want to work with, you know, you're going to want to work with somebody like that because they're going to be a good partner for you in what you're trying to achieve as a company. Mm. And that's the value I think that it brings. Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally agree. And a bit of a contentious question, but, you know, buying group marketing, it sounds, it sounds very glamorous. We all love a new acronym. Um, but do you think it's just a rebranding of, of ABM done well? Or do you think there's a difference there? And, you know, if the answer is yes, great. If the answer is no, great. It's, it's an honest, open conversation. I mean, a lot of people think ABM is just like sending stuff to people and mass, like, you know, sends mass meetings, mass experiences. I think that is ABM that's account, you know, and you're making some personalization there, right. On a mass level. I think when you say buyer group, it seems like that is more one-to-one 
that is much more highly personalized. It's much more about creating a journey for that specific individual or group of individuals that you're targeting in a specific company. So it has a little bit more of that versus just ABM is more mass, I think. And this is much more specific and targeted one-to-one. Fantastic. And our uh, final question for you today, do you think there's any downsides to being so targeted and, and only focusing on that small group of decision makers? Because, you know, imagine you've put all that effort into targeting three key decision makers, you've invested all that money, and then it leads to nothing. I mean, do you think there's a danger in being that targeted? I mean, the better targeted you are with the message and with the person you're trying to reach to, that means that the answer was no, that that wasn't the right time. However, all of these people now know about your brand. If they've had a good experience, then they're going to remember that wherever they go, right? So they may leave and say, oh yeah, that company didn't have this at the time, but now I need it, right? But I think there's always a chance of, hey, you're not going to get it, right? But at the same time, you can't just not do these things in the mid funnel to push people along or to have that experience because if you don't do it, then you're going to get a lot more no's. Yeah. You know, that's how I think about it. Absolutely. Well, Amisha, thank you very much for joining me today. Um, just a note to our audience. Um, if you want to check out the full report on buying group marketing, um, there'll be a link in the description so you can find out everything you want to know there. Um, but that's all from us today. So Amisha, thank you very much. Thanks, David. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. This podcast was just one in a series of five, all of which will be published over the coming weeks. All podcasts in this series have been used to help create our report with Influ2 titled Buying Group Marketing, taking your ABM to the next level and creating a journey that's relevant across marketing and sales. So if you want to learn more about buying group marketing, download the report for free now by following the link in the description.